Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. This today I want to talk to you about the this is the what we call finding freedom in the Ten Commandments. Today I want to t- share with you a little bit about the pathway of provision. This is coming from the Eighth Commandment and Exodus 20 verse 15 says, "You shall not steal." Now, again, this one's kind of like the "you shouldn't murder." I don't think there's a whole lot of people in here. You know, I mean, look, I mean, maybe there's some stuff. I don't think anybody's in here with ski masks in your glove compartment out in the car. You know, I don't think any of y'all are gonna do a bank heist to pull an Ocean's Eleven. You know, no matter how many times you've seen the movies, I don't. But if we're just real honest, though, just to be honest, if you've ever been in a bank and had to wait long enough in that line, the only reason you're laughing now is because you've thought the same thing I've thought, man. You're sitting there long, do you think? I could do it. <laughs> I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying I've too much time in the, in the teller line. You get to thinking weird stuff. You're like, why did I think that for? That's crazy. What am I thinking? It's just normal. Just don't do it, okay? But I don't think anybody's going to pull off a heist in here. I don't think that. But I, I would say, um, you know, there are many times in life where you have tests. Uh, a lot of our guys in here work fast food. I, I worked fast food when I was in high school. And let me tell you what, when you're responsible for the register and your register comes up short because you accidentally gave too much change out. Because, you know, it's fast paced. It's hard work. It's, it's, it's craziness when you're doing, you know, drive through stuff. And if you ever go through the line and, and you hand them a 10 and you get back your food and your change, you get down the road and you see you have a 20. That's not a blessing from God. Just in case you didn't know that, in case you were thinking, well, that was what Pastor Mark, that must have been the favor of God. That was not the favor of God. That was a test. You need to turn around, go back, because that student is going to be on the hook for $20. They're going to be like, I, don't, I didn't mean. It happens so fast. And so don't overlook opportunities that maybe God gives you for testing that, you know, might be in the area of theft, you know. Um, if you find money, you know, I found money before. And it's, look, if you're in the middle of nowhere, that's one thing. But, like, if, you're, if you come across in here, you found money in here, probably somebody dropped it. You know, if you find money at the school, somebody probably dropped it. If you, you find things like that. We were eating down in Gulf Shores with our family, and Pastor Ronnie and all of us were down there, and Bill and Fonda, all of our big families were down there. I mean, if you get all of us together, there's like 20-something of us. I don't know how many there are. We lose track sometimes, you know. wonder we hadn't lost a kid and all that crazy circus we got going on. But we were down there, and, and we showed up because we had the little one at the time, and we showed up, Haley and I were there running a stroller in, and, and all of a sudden I see Ronnie, he's pacing back and forth. Pastor Ronnie, if you don't know him, he plays, he's playing acoustic this morning here. He's one of our elders in the church, and he's, he's like doing this, frantic. If you know Pastor Ronnie, he sets his keys down. My wife does the same. There's so much alike in so many ways. Set keys down, you don't know, and he's, I mean, I can't find my keys, but he always finds them. But he had lost some money. And so we were thinking, oh, well, maybe you just didn't bring it. He, and when he, he was serious. Now, I lost, I had a $100 bill in my pocket. It was folded up. I've, it's, I've lost it in here somewhere. And so he is adamant. He's intense about it. He's looking around like this. We got the kids looking under the table. And I look over. Have you ever watch things in slow motion? Like you can see it happening before your eyes, but it's like in slow motion, right? And so I'm watching, and, and all of a sudden I see this guy in the corner. And he's had a couple of Coronas. He's got one in his hand now. And he's like... He looks down, and he sees the $100 bill. It's right there. And he's like, whoo. And it's slow motion. Ronnie's by the table, at least from here to the curtains. And this guy, he's like going to pick it up. And before he can pick up the $100, Ronnie whoo, looks at him with his chest. I'm not with his chest out like this. 
football coach called. He said, that's my $100. I mean, he had the rock look. You know what I'm saying? He had that. He wasn't letting go. I thought, is it going to be the guy with the corona? He just literally said, just go. He didn't want any, you know. I didn't blame him either. But, you know, if that guy would have taken that, it wasn't a blessing. That would have been stealing. Now, I don't think anybody in here, I don't think, it might be some tests going on, but I don't think anybody here is really doing that. But I would tell you this this morning. I'm not worried about you as much. Maybe there's some tests going on. But there's a greater thief in the room than the person sitting next to you. And that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. In all the things that God gives you in Scripture, please don't be afraid of the don'ts or the do nots in Scripture. For every don't, he gives you a do. For every negative, he gives you a positive. So I want to put one of these on the screen, just a couple of scriptures so you can see just a few examples. There's many examples of this. But please don't be afraid of the do nots in Scripture. Okay? I'll put them on the screen for you. So here's uh, four of them up here. We'll put them on up there together. I think they got them up there together for you. But take a look at these uh, first one. This is don't worry about anything, right? But what do you do? You pray about everything. That's in Philippians, Philippians 4. All right? Don't store up treasure here on earth. Doesn't mean you don't plan for retirement. It just means don't put all your everything in here because you're going to leave here one day. But store for your tre- treasure up in heaven. Right? That's in Matthew 6. So don't do this, but do this. I'm going to give you a couple out of Ephesians now because this is where we're going to be at today, okay? Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit, right? Don't use hurtful words, but build one another up in love. So for every don't, God gives you a do that's a positive. And he gives the Ephesians church this word from Ephesians 4.28. And he says, he who steals must no longer steal. But rather, he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. No longer stealing. And understand, please, he's writing this to a church. This is not to a secular society. This was a letter to the church. So there was church people. Because in Ephesus, it was a region where this was very common. Theft was just common. You steal to make gain. It was just very common in in their city. And he's saying, don't do that anymore, but work hard with your own hands so you have something to share with those who have need. But again, like I said, I'm not really worried about you. There's a greater thief in here this morning. And he's not after your jewels. He's not after your gold. He's not after your money. He's not trying to take your $100 bill. But he is after one thing. He's after one thing from you. I think it's most precious in your life, and that's God's word. And if you don't think he's not trying to steal from you right now that word, you are already being stolen from. That's how good he is. He's a thief in the greatest way. So listen to me. Look a couple of scriptures about him. John 10, 10 says the thief, he's a thief. He comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. And Revelation 12 says the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan, he deceives the whole world. And one more version, uh, verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. it says, watch this. No wonder, even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. He deceives, he destroys. That's his job. He is trying to steal from you every single day. And the reason why people don't know this is because they're still looking for the guy in the red suit. They're looking for horns. Ah! You know, crazy pitchforks, it's Halloween coming up soon. 
That's what they think he's like. He's not like that. He's deceptive. He comes in kind of cool. You don't know it. You don't realize it. He has trickery. He's a master. If you think, you know, what's his name? David Copperfield, the guy who makes the Statue of Liberty disappear. If you think he's something, he's nothing compared to Satan. He's a master at stealing. So why did Paul tell the Ephesians church to stop stealing? Why would he give them this word? It's because in their culture, this was a church where Paul established and they were so rich, not just their city. Their city was very well off as well. They were a very affluent city built on commercial trade and religion. They had a false religion there where they actually worshipped demons. They didn't realize it, but it was demon worship. The goddess Artemis was there. They built a temple, 20-something thousand, almost 27,000, some records say, it would hold 27,000 people. That's like, I don't know, 10 of the forums. I don't know. So you take that, and it was filled with the most perverted forms of worship and ungodly things you can imagine went on in that temple. That's what they did in this city. So they were filled with the ideas of worship. They were filled with the ideas of, of wealth because of their commerce. And so what Paul says, I want you to know something about who you've been given. That's Jesus Christ. And he prays this prayer for them, which is an amazing, most beautiful prayer. And so what I thought I would do this morning, instead of just reading the scripture to you, I thought I would pray this over you so you could hear what Paul would have been praying over his church and what he would have been praying over you. So if you don't mind, just for a second, I'm going to read this. If you don't mind, close your eyes just for a moment. I want to pray something over you. This is something I prayed over myself many years and But I want you to hear the heart of this prayer Paul has. In Ephesians 1, he says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, Cornerstone Church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray for you, Cornerstone Church, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritances in the saints. And that you, Cornerstone Church, would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things, all things in subjection under his feet. And gave him his head over all things to you, Cornerstone Church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Amen. That's what Paul would have prayed. And you can pray this over yourself every single day. I pray for myself. Lord, I pray that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I pray that you'd open the eyes of my understanding that I might know who you are, what you're trying to do in my life. This was the prayer. This is where they started at. The, the elevator man went to the top. They were filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding and revelation. And so Paul has this prayer for them, and he's praying for them. But that's where it starts. But at the end of the letter, he reminds them of something else. And listen to what he says. This is in Ephesians 6. These are kind of like bookends. He starts you out the highest of high, but then he tells you something to be careful about. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. So many people today, man, they think the devil is just some made-up thing. It's just like, ah, you know, it's mythology or whatever. There is no real devil. I'm just telling you right now, 
You cannot look around this world and ask yourself the serious question and not know there is not a devil, an evil presence that's trying to destroy anything and everything that is good. It's the only answer that makes sense. But he says, you've got to stand against the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the person next to you, your neighbor. No matter what they put in your yard, it's not them. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. He says, look... I'm giving you this. This is who you are, who you are in Christ. If you read in Ephesians 2, he tells them, not only was Jesus Christ raised up, but you've been raised up to seat together with him in heavenly places. You've been seated together with Jesus. He's telling them all this, but don't let that fool you. There is a real enemy out there, and he's trying to steal everything I just told you. He's trying to take everything I just gave you away. Everything. So the question is this morning, What is it that we're really standing on? Am I standing on the truth of God's word? Am I standing on what he has given me to stand on? Or do I stand on or do I stand against the policies of today? What do I have more stand on? What do I have more ground dug into? Am I more against the political opponents that I don't believe in today? Or am I more steady on God's word? Have I got more faith against what it shouldn't be in this country, what should be in this country, or am I really standing on God's word? Which one am I really more strong in? So Paul goes on to say this, be careful, he's out to try to steal from you. And I can tell you as a preacher this, the most frustrating thing about preaching, you want to tell you what it is? It's knowing that the thief is stealing. Like, make no mistake about that. I'm going to be as clear as I can be with everybody in this room. I love you dearly. I love you. If I don't know you, I love you. I do anything I could to help you. If I can, I'll try my best. But don't be deceived right now. Some of you are being stolen from right now. Like he is, he is stealing from you the very thing that you need. He's stealing right now. He is stealing from you. You may think, well, that's not fair. Maybe it's not. But don't be deceived because he's really doing it. So the question is then, do you want to stop him from stealing from you? That would be my question. Do I want him to stop stealing from me? I don't know about you, but man, listen, I've been stolen from before. It is not a good feeling. It's not like you don't walk away with this warm, Christian, fuzzy feeling, thinking like, well, I should pray for my enemies because Jesus said that. That's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking retribution. I'm thinking vengeance. I'm thinking all the stuff I shouldn't think. And maybe after a couple of hours, I'm cooled down, and then I think, okay, I've got to repent for all that, change my heart. But it's not fun getting stolen from. So how do you stop them? Well, let me share something in the scripture this morning, Mark. And you may have read this before, but I would just stop you right here before you say, well, I've heard this before. Because if you say that, then chances are that's his maneuver against you. You've got to be careful, man, for what all you've heard. If you've been filled up to the tank and it's overflowing, you know all this stuff. I know that. I know that. Well, I've heard that before. I've got that podcast. I've got that set up. I've got that book. You've got to be real careful when you acquire so much knowledge that you think I've arrived. Because that could be the very downfall to your Christianity. I mean, I'm telling you the truth from an experience here. 
what you think you know, sometimes you may not really know. Jesus said, man, if the knowledge that you think you have is so great, but it's really darkness, how deep is the darkness that you're really in? Think about it. It's pretty dark. But Mark 4, he says, the sower sows the word. I'll put it on the screen for you. This is from New American Standard Version. These are the ones who are beside the road or by the wayside. Your translation may read that, where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. These are they by the wayside. So the word wayside, just a couple of thoughts here. By the wayside, it simply means to be at a crossroads. You ever been there? A crossroads. Have you been on a back road somewhere and your GPS quit working? And it's basically a guessing game, right? And if I'm by myself and that happens, I'm in big trouble. Because I'm a guy, I don't care, I don't admit it, I can't. If I don't have GPS, I'm stuck. I don't know where I'm going. If Haley's with me, my chances just go up tremendously. Because she has this inner like satellite thing going on or something. She goes, go that way. If I say, no, I really think it's this way. She says this way. I know now, go her way. Because my way is always wrong. But the wayside, it means to be at a crossroads, to be at a place of decision. It means to go one's own way. I mean, it's like, here I go again on my own. I'm going down the only road I've ever been along. You know, it's, it's, it's a white snake song. It's what it is. And it's a great rock and roll song, but it's a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way to live. To say, here I go again on my own, it means you're really on your own. To be on the wayside, it means to be a place of crossroads. And what this simply means is this, when it says that the devil comes immediately and takes away the word. You may think it's not fair, but I'm going to share you with you right now how he does it. I've read this. There's many ways you could preach this, but just hear me out. When you're at a crossroads and someone's preaching something to you, someone's sharing something with you, you know, the worship leaders are, are giving you a word, whatever is happening, you're at a crossroads right there. When God has given you a word, you're at a crossroads. And at that moment, the decision is this. You may not know what to do with what you're hearing. It is not about what you're going to do. It's about can you just receive what is being said without being offended, without throwing up the, I've heard that before, without being judgmental. Can you just receive a word from God? Because if you can't, if at that crossroads, you're at the crossroads, you're at the, at a cross. When Jesus says, man, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up the cross. It might hurt a little bit, but you've got to follow me. You've got to give up some stuff sometimes. When you're at a crossroads, if you go your own way, singing the white snake song, the Bible says immediately he comes and takes away the word. How does he do it? The word take away means this, to make a doubt, or to make to doubt. Watch, this is how it works. It's as simple as this. You could take a word that Pastor Mark gives about the favor of God, having favor through relationship. So I don't believe that. Immediately, immediately Satan just stole it. Or he makes you doubt by saying, oh, you really believe that? That's probably not true. You really going to believe that? I doubt that really would work for you. It didn't work for your other family member. It didn't work for so-and-so. You're not really going to believe that, are you? To make one doubt. And if he makes you doubt, listen to this. This is a crazy definition. I looked some of the stuff up. To hear this, to see this, look at what the word doubt means. 
to be without a way. He means that, man, if he can make you doubt, and that could be anything that God gives you a word from somebody, your small group leader is sharing with their heart, maybe they bum-fuzzled the, the scripture verse, and they go, I've had people, well, you quoted Acts 3, and it should have been, you know, John 3. Are you kidding me right now? You, you, that's what you heard? Was that? What does that mean? You were at a crossroads. Instead of going God's way, you went your own way and picked apart something someone said, and guess what? He stole from you a very word that might have changed your life. I learned a long time ago. If you're going to pick apart every preacher's message, man, listen, you're going to be there all day because we all are messed up when we preach sometimes. We don't, you just get things bum-puzzled sometimes. I was in a, one of our men's group and um, listening to, this was a couple years ago, and so uh, James, you don't know James, James Jacobs, he's in our church and so he was going to speak one day. We, we, it was a men's tailgate party. We had, we're doing one next month, so guys, you don't want to miss it. But all the wings you want, man, we was eating a bunch of hot wings and chicken and stuff and football. And it's just a bunch of guys. You know, it's just great. It was a wonderful day, you know. And nobody's telling you that's too much. You shouldn't eat that much. You just eat what you want to eat. You don't tell her. It's just great. It's fantastic. And so James, was. we always have time where we, we have great food, great fellowship, and somebody shares a, a word. And preach maybe 10 minutes, maybe 10 minutes. He could have shared anything he wanted to share. Anything. Prayer, how to be a man, anything, anything, anything. You know what he shared on? The tithe. I was blown away. I was sitting there listening. And when he got done, he comes over and talks to me. He says, Hey, what'd you think? I thought, that's the best message I've ever heard on this. I wish I would have recorded it. It was fantastic. But why did he do it? Because it's somewhere in his life, he heard either us or someone preach about it, and he came up against a crossroads. And instead of saying, oh, it's a bunch of Old Testament, a bunch of legalism, law, instead of doing any of that, he questioned and asked God, is this you? Instead of going his own way, he went God's way. Didn't mean he knew what to do with it. You don't have to know what to do with the word. You just got to be willing to receive it enough to get to the next step. At least don't let him steal from you the word. You can check it out later, but at least don't let him steal the word from you. Because there's another different things in here. There's rocky soil. There's thorns that you could be planting in. But then there's good soil. The interesting thing about this passage is this, that the rocky places are people who have heard the word. In other words, they didn't get the word stolen from them. They've heard the word. But it says this, in verse 17, they have no root in themselves, but they received it with joy. They're like, whoa, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. That's the kind of, they're like, whoa, you know, they're so excited, yes. They receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves, but only temporary. And when affliction or persecution for the word comes up, they out. They're like, oh, it's too hard. The devil didn't steal it, they just quit. The next one is the, the thorns, you know, the seed sown among the thorns. They hear the word as well. They didn't get it stolen from them. But the Bible says this, but the worries of the world, deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things come in, they choke the word out, and it's unfruitful. So these, these next three areas of the ground that the seed's been sown in, they weren't stolen from. The first one is simply, can I just receive a word? Or will I let it be stolen from me? The coolest thing about the good ground, I looked this up, I thought, this is amazing. 
Do you know what the good ground, when you have 30, 60, 100-fold return, do you know what the good ground simply means? It means just to be fair soil. I used to think it was like this stuff, miracle grow. You know, you buy from Lowe's, the bags of that rich soil. I thought that's what you had to be in order to grow something. No, just some fair soil. It actually means this, to give the appearance of reasonableness. Just be reasonable with his word. You know, I've had so many opportunities to help people through spiritual guidance, questions, you name it. And here's one thing I've learned about every meeting. The ones who are reasonable tend to shift gears and change their life. It's the ones that dig their feet in the ground and say, well, I just didn't know what I heard growing up. I didn't know what my mama told me. They just had this unwillingness to be reasonable about a word from God. Great advice from a preacher years ago. Somebody gives you a word. Don't immediately just discard it. Just take it and say thank you. Imaginary, but put it up on the shelf. Just put it on a shelf, pray about it, get some counsel from other people around you. Maybe it's not God, but don't discredit what could be a word from God. But this is what happened to the Ephesians church. They begin to do this. So Paul is writing to Timothy. So I'm telling you right there, how you stop the devil from stealing from you? Just be reasonable. When you come to the crossroads, don't neglect a word. Just be willing to hear. At least don't let him steal from you. You can check it out later. But Timothy is now the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So Paul, they started out super high. They were the top, man. They were awesome. Paul has to tell Timothy now as the pastor. They're listening to this, what he tells them. First Timothy 1, verse 2. It says, Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men. Watch this. This church was kicking on all cylinders. They knew who they were in Christ. They had a lot of podcasts, great books. They had everything. But he says, "Do watch, instruct certain men not to teach strained doctrines. Verse 4, nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which only give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Love. It's love. How does the church, watch this, they started out here. They Now listen, you got to, listen, I'm going to, just for a moment, if you're in here today, maybe you're like me, you've been serving God for a while. You've got to watch this because you've learned so much. You've acquired so much from God. He's been so good and so faithful. Sometimes you forget to thank him for the stuff that he's done in your life. And if you're not careful, you can get over here where what happened in Ephesus, they begin to allow, there were some false doctrines, some things going on, and, and Timothy was doing his best. It wasn't, Timothy was a good pastor. He's a young guy, but he was you know, I mean, they was giving him ulcers, but he was, he was doing the best he could do, right? But he was a young guy trying to do the best he could do. And Paul's saying, watch out for this stuff. You've got to shut this down. But even that, how'd they go from here to now? They got false doctrine in the church. It got so bad, guys, that Paul gave him a word. Timothy's giving him a word. Now they're getting a word from somebody else 
got to be careful that you don't discredit a word just because they're not favorable in their approach, just because they didn't come across real nice with it. Everybody's giving me a word hadn't always been so nice either. But man, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Would you rather have the wounds of a friend or the kisses of an enemy? I'd rather somebody tell me like it is, man. At least I could deal with that later. I could deal with the emotions later, but at least be honest with me. But they got another word, and this came from Jesus. That church had Paul, they had Timothy, but it was going downhill to the point where Jesus steps in. And listen to what Jesus says. Revelation 2, verse 1. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, that would be to the elder, to the pastor, that would be to Timothy. This is John writing this, but inspired by Jesus. All these are in red. You can look it up in your Bible. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Watch what he starts with. I know your deeds and your, your toil or your hard work and your perseverance. Remember what Paul told them. Don't steal anymore, but work hard with your hands. to Do that which is good to give those in need, right? So he said, look, I see this in operation in your church. This is great. And I know that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. So they're, they're dealing with the false doctrine. They're dealing with all these things, right? They're doing a great job. They're working really hard. But, Paul, I mean, but Jesus goes on to say, you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Man, it sounds like, wow. You know? We are the stuff. Like, we are awesome. That's what it sounds really awesome. Great. But then he goes and he says, but I have this against you. If you don't, this is Jesus Christ. If you're this, you don't get to say, well, I don't care. This is the Lord. And he says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Then he goes on and says, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else, or else. I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The lampstand represents the, the anointing. He takes the lampstand. There, you forget it. Close the doors. You might as well go do, play golf or something. Without that, there's nothing. But then he says, yes. This you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Those are those who, with the Gnostics, and, which I also hate. But he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. He kind of made the sandwich approach, you know. Hey, you're doing great. This is not good. But you're doing great. <laughs> you ever had that? It's like, you know what? I appreciate this. You stink at that, but you know what? You're doing really good over here. So even Jesus did it with a great approach, right? But what really did they have to overcome? If you stop and think about what his last words to them was, to him who overcomes, what do they really need to overcome? They've been told they're overcomers. Paul gave them a whole list of stuff in Ephesians, that who they were in Christ. You're seated together with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. They know how to overcome. What is it that they need to overcome? They have a great city with amenities and many great things. It's it's a well-established city. They don't lack for anything in the natural. They don't lack for anything in the spiritual. What do they have to overcome? It's the crossroads. 
He didn't say, hey, man, listen, you know, I got a problem with your theology. He brought him back to the beginning and said, you've left your first love. The crossroads. It's the point in all of our lives. Every person in here, just hear me right now. Every, if you're a Christian, if you've not been at the crossroads lately, I promise you, there's an issue. You've taken a detour. Because I don't know about you, just last week, I'm getting hit at the crossroads. And I'm going, like, Lord, <laughs> just, can't you pick on somebody else? Like, I, I feel like I'm doing good. You know, you want to line up all this. I'm a pastor. Uh, you know, I take care of my kids. I'm nice to my wife, you know. Don't look at her right now. I'm super nice to her. You know, I mean, but it doesn't matter. God says, yeah, but I got this against you. How long's it been since you've been at the crossroads? I'm telling you, if you hadn't been there in a while, you might need to revisit the intersection. And it might be, I don't know what it might be. But I know this much is true. Jesus isn't looking for obligational love. He doesn't need any more religious people trying to fulfill their Sunday duties. He's looking for relational love. Your first love. He's the one that remember how it was. It was when you said yes to him. It was the craziest prayer you probably prayed in your life. This is how mine kind of went. God, I'm crying in the middle of God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go to China. I'll go over here, God. I'll give up anything you want me to give up, whatever. It didn't matter when you prayed that prayer. Now it's more like, well, I mean, you know, do I have to get rid of this? God, do I have to give up that? After you serve him for a while, you've got to be careful that you don't have an Ephesians mindset that says, well, here's who we are. Yeah, but without him, we are nothing. Paul said it like this. If I have all the miracles in the world, if I can proclaim mysteries of God, if I can preach down the thunder, man, if I can bring it every Sunday, if I can do all these different things, but I don't have love, I am nothing. This church was established, and in less than 150 years approximately, maybe up to 160, it was gone. It's gone. The lampstand was removed. We don't know exactly why, but the church is gone. Because they didn't want to face the crossroads anymore. And so this morning, here's what I want us to do. I want to challenge you this and ask yourself, what has the Lord been trying to talk to me about? I'm going to ask our worship team to come up right now, and we're going to close out the service, but I want to take a moment right here and really think hard and long about this. Man, if you're here, I just, I had this, I've had these ideas in in my heart notes for weeks out, weeks out. So when I share things, honestly, I didn't look at what music they were doing. We didn't sit down and go, hey, can we make this song, make that song, do the songs that sound real like we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. We didn't do that. Um, I didn't know Pastor Mark was going to share what he said. Sometimes God just does stuff, and you just have to roll with it. But I really felt in my heart that particularly, sometimes we pray for various things, but if you're here and it's been a while since you've been at the crossroads, but you have this sensing in your heart that the Lord is trying to tell you something, that you need to either 
remove yourself from. It might be a relationship that's toxic. You know, it's no good to you. You can be a witness and not be a close friend. Two different things. But if it's been difficult for you to have that closest, that sensitivity to the Spirit, where you're hearing from God again, then I would challenge all of us in here, it might be because you're avoiding the crossroads. So I want to take a moment right now and pray, and I want you to ask God, Lord, is there somewhere I'm at right now in my life that you're trying to talk to me and I'm not listening? Is there something you're trying to share with me that I've just am missing? I want to pray for you right now. I want you to ask God, what might that be? So just right now with your eyes closed and with just your hearts towards heaven and towards God, just in your own heart, just talk to the Lord just for a moment. Dear Jesus, You've been so faithful to all of us. You've saved us from a life that was going nowhere. You've redeemed us. You've seated us together in heavenly places with you. You've placed us far above all the principalities and powers, all the things the enemy tries to do. You've given us authority. You've given us your word. But God, I just pray I can't help but know they're just right now in this room there's some folks that you're trying to speak to and have a sensitive heart with but because they're ignoring the crossroads of their lives something you're trying to say you need to make a change in they're not making the progress that they once did with you so Father I pray that you would speak right now by your spirit to every heart whatever that might be God touch each one of us right now and speak a word to us Lord and only just so we can hear you, Lord, we, we just ask you, speak your word to us and help us to make the changes that are necessary. Not necessarily that we know what to do, but we're willing to hear you and accept what you have to say this morning. If it needs to be of some area of repentance, we just come before you now. We ask you for courage and for strength to repent, to turn from anything that is not of you. And Lord, I just pray right now, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would make that decision today. Just while your eyes closed and no one's looking around, you can still have your heart towards heaven, but if you're here and you say, man, I don't know Christ. I've never prayed to receive Jesus. I I need to do that today. Pastor Jody, I'm just not even sure where to start. You're talking about a crossroads. Mine is with a spiritual walk. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. With your eyes closed, the whole church will pray with you. And you're just saying, that's me and you know it in your heart, you hear the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, just sense this, I have got to receive Jesus today. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us in this room right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you and I give you my heart. I give you my life. I turn from the world and I turn to you. I ask you to be my Savior and to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I receive you as my Savior. Amen. Amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.